Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy, Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, on this Friday, heading into the weekend. The Raiders had an off day, but did not mean that they were asleep behind the wheels or did not do anything. The front office was in action. The coaching staff was in action. And some transactions were made. Uh, As of about 20 minutes ago, the Raiders made official the signing of running back Austin Walter and also made official that they placed linebacker Kyler Fackrell on the reserve injured list, which actually puts Kyler Fackrell out for the season for the Silver and Black. Now, if he goes along, if they release him and just move on from him and he signs with another team, he can still play. But you will see no linebacker Kyler Fackrell out there for the Raiders in 2022. And he was a guy that was competing to be a backup to a Chandler Jones, be a backup to a Max Crosby. Uh, you know, not a guy that's going to be a every day or every down, you know, guy, but he's going to be a guy that would provide a little bit of depth. So he's out, and Austin Walter, the running back, is in. Walter joins the Raiders after spending time on the practice squads for the Jets and the Niners. In 2021, he appeared in four games with the Jets and recorded a career-high 26 carries for 101 yards and one touchdown. He originally signed as an undrafted free agent with San Francisco back in 2019, has played in nine career games, had 27, uh, rushed 27 times for 104 yards, and one TD, had three receptions for 36 yards. So basically one carry outside of the time with the Jets. Out of the time of that four games that he played with the Jets, he's had one other carry. So not a guy that you expect to really make any noise. Uh, there's a couple things to look at when you look at these uh, Raiders roster moves that they made as of today. One, we've talked about Zamir White, the fourth-round pick out of out of Georgia, and the fact that he has not been out there in a while. You know, he hasn't been out at practice in uh, about five days now, five practices that we've been out there uh, at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And uh, Josh McDaniels, the head coach of the team, said on yesterday that uh, he's working through, the, through some things and trying to get out there as quick as, as possible. The other thing to think about is that, this upcoming game on Thursday, the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, you're not going to see Josh Jacobs. You're not going to see Kenyon Drake. You're not going to see, you know, any of the players, uh, Brandon Bolden, guys like that. Uh, you might see a little Amir Abdullah, but for the most part, you're not going to see the guys that you would expect to see in the regular season. So that's another reason to sign Austin Walter. But just keep an eye on Zamir White and what's going on with him. There's a few different theories going on out there, and I'm not going to get into them because I don't know what's real and what's not. All I can do is go off of what head coach Josh McDaniels told us yesterday uh, at practice before before practice, as a matter of fact, when he met with us and said that uh, he's just working through some things and trying to get out there as soon as possible. So we'll just leave it at that. Of course, the Raiders still have uh, the seventh-round pick, Britton Brown, out of UCLA, the rookie, so you'll see him in action next Thursday. But uh, just a little bit of uh, roster movement that the Raiders have made today. Austin Walter added to the roster, and Kyler Fackrell now on the reserve injured list ending his 2022 season. So uh, there'll be a lot more moving and shaking before it's all said and done. Hell, there'll probably be a lot more moving and shaking before Thursday's game, <laughs> right? I mean, there's no practice today, but tomorrow, Sunday, and Monday, there'll be practice at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We'll be out there. And then on Tuesday, everyone's going to travel to Canton, Ohio for uh, the Hall of Fame game. And, of course, the enshrinement ceremony for Cliff Branch and Richard Seymour and many others that are going to be enshrined on uh, Saturday on the, uh, on the 7th. 
Is that the 6th? That's the 6th, August 6th. Yeah, they'll be enshrined on the 6th out there in Canton, Ohio. So it uh, should be a fun time. Uh, we're going to go fly out on Tuesday evening, arrive in Canton, Ohio on Wednesday, and we'll be doing our radio shows from Radio Row right there, uh, right behind Tom Benson Stadium. It's really it's a school. It's so funny. The very first time I ever went there, I thought I've got to be in the wrong place. He said, no, Radio Row is right around the corner. I was like, I'm literally in a hallway of a school. And they said, no, that's exactly where it is. And I looked up and I saw a couple guys look like they were doing some broadcast. And they said, yeah, this is it. So it's nothing like the Super Bowl where it's a massive conference room. There's all kind of different radio stations. There's probably a handful of radio stations. There's not even assigned seating. Let's put it like that. That's, that just lets you know how it's not a big to-do. There's not a ton of radio stations that are there representing. And, and why would you? If you don't have a player that, you're, that your radio station is representing, if you don't have a player that's going into the Hall of Fame, there's really no reason for you to be there. Right? Last year we were there because Tom Flores and Charles Woodson were going in. This year we'll be there because Cliff Branch and Richard Seymour are going in. I don't expect to be there next year. I just don't. Next year, uh, we already know that Lester Hayes and Amy Trask didn't make the finalist list, so they're not going to be there. So I don't, I don't, I couldn't imagine right now who that they can uh, they could put into the hall that would make us be there next year. But that's just kind of how it is, right? I mean, that's just that's just what it is. There'll be a handful of stations represented, and we will be there starting on uh, Wednesday morning, probably about Wednesday afternoon. I'm not too sure what time Vinny and Heidi Fang they'll land and they'll get to uh, get, get to Canton, Ohio. But uh, we'll get everything cooking quick, fast, and in a hurry once we land in Ohio, and so it should be a whole lot of fun. Definitely look forward to that, and I guarantee it's going to be a huge celebration once uh, once Cliff Branch and, and every all the all the enshrinements and everything are done with, with I guarantee that, that party that night is going to be fantastic, and then it's going to be a fun fun flight home at 7 a.m. on Sunday, right, trying to, trying to recover from sleep. It's like you go from the enshrinement, and this year is different. I've mentioned it before. This year is different. The enshrinement is at noon their time. So that's 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So we're going to do a a, a special show at 8 a.m. on Saturday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., lead you right up into the enshrinement ceremony, and then the enshrinement ceremony will probably take a couple hours, and then once that's over and done with, then there'll be somewhat of a lull, and then later that evening there'll be a big party, big celebration somewhere, wherever Mark Davis is planning on having it. Uh, Everything I've heard, it's going to be one of the biggest and best parties that's ever happened at the Hall of Fame, and I've been to a couple of them, and I know how big those parties are. I was at LaDainian Tomlinson's party, uh, drove by Jerry Jones' party real quick and saw how big those were, so I can only imagine uh, what the expectations are. Let's put it like this. At Jerry Jones' party, Justin Timberlake performed. Yeah, that Justin Timberlake. He performed live in person at that party. At LT's party, T.I. performed. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a big to-do. All the Hall of Famers are there. Of course, family and friends. Uh, tons of people that just kind of all played a role in these players' lives. They're all there to, to celebrate them going into the Hall. So I can only imagine how big Mark Davis is going to do it for Cliff Branch, saying that was his best friend. And uh, so I know how much it means to him. So I guarantee it's going to be huge. So uh, I just want to give you start off the show with a little bit of uh, news and notes as far as the transactions that have gone on with the Silver and Black. Coming up on today's show at 2.30, Tashawn Reed from The Athletic. He's uh, out there every single day at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We'll talk to him. We'll talk to him about these transactions, what he thinks it means. He was the one that asked Coach McDaniels yesterday about Zamir White and the fact that he hadn't been out there. So we'll talk to Tashawn about that uh, transaction that went down and also you know, just what his – what he's been seeing so far, what he's been paying attention to. And it's so funny. I always ask, you know, what certain people are looking for when they're at a training camp. And, of course, when it comes to the Raiders, it's always the offensive line. But I just want to get his thoughts and kind of pick his brain on the 
almost the attitude that the offensive line have had. And I, I don't say attitude in a bad way. I just mean the way that they, they, they almost come off in the meetings and the media sessions like they know that everyone's talking about them and that they have a little bit of edge to it. And it's something that Brandon Parker brought up. Like, yeah, I know we've been a butt, the butt of a lot of jokes, but, you know, we're going to go out there and, and kind of push ourselves and, and show you what we can be. And so we'll talk to Deshaun about the offensive line and just the rest of the little notes that he's taken since he's been out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center for training camp for the Raiders. Then coming up at 3.30, and really got a special special show today I'm pretty excited about. At 3.30, we're going to have the new Voice of the Silver and Black, that's Jason Horowitz. He's the Raiders play-by-play. He's going to be tag-teaming with Lincoln Kennedy. Very excited about him. He was introduced to Raider Nation just the other day. JT got a few minutes with him um, when he was introduced, I believe, on Tuesday. And that was a lot of fun. I got an opportunity to talk to him last night. And we had a long conversation. It was so funny, DeMond, how the conversation started uh, because we probably talked for about 10 minutes, maybe even 12, 15 minutes before we actually started doing an interview. And at one point in the conversation, he was asking me about my name. Uh, And he said, how do you say your name? He's like, I know how it's spelled, but how do you actually say it? And I said, Keont. And so he said, Keont. Okay, that makes sense. And so we're going back and forth. And he goes, I don't know if you know this, but – and this is the funny part. He said, I don't know if you know this – but I Googled your name, and there's a basketball player that goes to Western Oregon that has the same exact name as, as you. And I said, yeah, that's my son. <laughs> so he, he had no idea. He was like, I had no idea you were old enough to have a son that was in college. And I go, yep, that's definitely my son. And it's funny because my son is here, right? He's been spending the summer with us, so he was here. And so when I started laughing and rolling and, and saying, yeah, that's my son, he goes, Jumping out of the out of the room like what? Wait, hold on, you're talking about me? And I said, long story, I'll tell you later. But I thought it was the funniest thing ever when he said, Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but there's a guy that goes to Western Oregon. He's got the same exact name as you, spells it the same way, and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jason, I do know him. I know him pretty well. That would be my son. <laughs> so did so, you tell him that I can bring him out right now? Right. No, that's what I told him. I said, he's actually here. Like, he's right around the corner, you know. And so it was so funny. He was like, oh, my gosh, that's the funniest story ever. And uh, so we had – he's a really good dude. Like, being able to talk to him before the interview, like a lot of times you just jump into an interview and you just talk to someone that's either cool or whatever. But, man, being able to sit down and just talk for 10 or 15 minutes before we even got started, just, you know, talking about where he's been, what he's looking forward to. Uh, you know, I found out that he's been listening to the Lockdown Raiders podcast a lot just to kind of get his, his feet wet when it comes to all things Raiders, you know. So he was saying he was listening to the podcast. He's been listening to the, the radio station. Uh, he's been hearing the sounds from uh, Raider Nation and knows how passionate they are. Like, it was it was really an awesome conversation that was not even recorded, but just between me and him, right? So uh, I think he's going to be a really good uh, play-by-play guy. I think you're going to really enjoy uh, hearing what he has to do game in and game out. And, and like I said, the conversation we had on a Thursday night was, was great. Problem with the conversation we had Thursday night was it was like 30 minutes long. <laughs> and Damon, stop me if you're shocked when uh, I have a long interview. It just so happens. It just happens like that, right? You start talking. You go back and forth. Oh, this question leads to this question. This answer leads to this question and whatever. And it just ends up, I look up, and it's like 30 minutes long. So what we're going to do is part one of the conversation I had with Jason Horowitz, you're going to hear at 3.30. And then 
You're not going to hear part two until 4.30. So we're going to just split it up a little bit, which is fine. You know, we'll split it up. We'll have some conversation. Uh, but we'll, we'll split it right down the middle, uh, 15 minutes and 15 minutes. So at 3.30, you'll hear from Jason Horowitz, part one of my conversation I had with him. And then at 4.30, you'll hear part two, really get to know the new play-by-play guy for the Silver and Black. And there was a lot of things I learned about him in that conversation. And I also found out that uh, most likely he's going to make a regular appearance on Radio Nation Radio 920. So uh, they're still in the works, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well, to be able to have the voice of the Raiders on the radio show like basically every week. You know, I'm not saying every day, but like at least once a week he's going to be on the show and he'll be able to give you his thoughts on the season and on the team. And, and so that's going to be a, a really good conversation. And then coming up at 4 o'clock, Cassie Soto for the Review Journal. She'll join us to talk, obviously, Raiders training camp, but also the run that she made. She, uh, at the media session on Thursday, collected a whole lot of money. I don't know if you have been under a rock or you know, but um, – the, the lottery is up to a whole lot of money, like billions, right? It's up to something billion. So Cassie said, hey, guys, I'm headed to California. I think she was headed to Barstow. She's like, I'm headed to California. Um, anyone want to give me some money, and we'll go in on, on some lotto tickets. So, Damon, I don't know how much we actually gave her, but it was so funny because at first I was sitting there like, I'm not going to pitch in on this. And then as everyone keeps on talking, it keeps on talking, you like, you almost like you're peer pressured into, into doing it without – without even being peer pressured into it. It's almost that situation where you're like, well, if I don't do it and then everyone else does and they win, then I look like the dummy, right? So everyone was, you know, so everyone was pitching in like $20 and she kept saying, Q, are you in? Q, are you in? I was like, ah, I'm cool, man. I'm cool. I'm cool. And then finally I was like, oh, blanket. All right, here you go. So here's 20 bucks. So I chipped in as well. And I, I, don't, I can't tell you how much she took. But it was probably about 160 to 180 dollars worth of lottery tickets she went and bought today, and she's she took the she did take uh, buy the tickets. She sent us a picture already, so she's already bought the tickets. But uh, we'll get an update on her adventures on that as well. So uh, if we all we all keep saying if uh, if we hit this and we're billionaires, and all of a sudden nobody shows up at the media session on uh, on Saturday or Sunday, <laughs> then you know what happened, right? If all of a sudden sh- someone shows up to the media session early Saturday morning and nobody's there. Then that means that we hit the lotto. It's up and to one point two eight billion. There you go. There you go. So, and it was so funny uh, when Cassie said, "Well, what if we don't hit the you know the one billion dollars, but we only win like fifty five thousand dollars?" And I looked at her and I go, "Is that a real question?" And she said, "Well, yeah." And I go, "Well, if we hit fifty five thousand dollars, then we hit fifty five thousand dollars." I was like, "Hell, if we hit five dollars, we're gonna split it." You know, I don't care how much it is. If we hit five dollars, we're all splitting it. Oh, okay. I didn't have any idea. And I was like, oh, man, we're sending the wrong person to go pick up these uh, these lotto tickets. She don't understand how pitch in on it means. So uh, it's like, oh, well, if we don't win the $1 billion, then none of you guys win. But if I win $55,000, then it's all on me. No, nah, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. When we all pitch in, we all pitch in. So I think we have at least 13 or 14 of us that are all in on this uh, this one-point-something billion-dollar possible lottery winnings uh, if we get it. So, obviously, stay tuned. <laughs> if we win, life's going to change for a lot of people. <laughs> just <gonna> go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb and tell you, life will change for a lot of people if we win that money. So, 
Uh, we'll join Cassie Soto at 4 o'clock to talk about that and, of course, the Raiders as well and then what she expects from Saturday, Sunday, Monday's practices before the Raiders head off to Canton, Ohio on Tuesday. And then at 4.30, as I mentioned already, you'll hear part two of my conversation with Jason Horowitz as we close out the week really strong and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun throughout the course of the show. And Raider Nation, of course, we always want to hear from you as well. 702-365-9200, Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword r It's already blowing up. We'll get to that in a minute, but let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So, Raider Nations, it's been a week. It's been seven days since the Raiders have been in training camp. They've had two padded practices, and I know that everyone's not everyone's not able everyone's not able to to see it. What are you saying, Damon? Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> How are you gonna tell me to do something, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> and then you, and then when I ask you what you said, then you say, "Don't worry about it." You already got me off track. Now, what are you talking about? I thought something was wrong with the with the audio or something. What's going on? It was on my end. Oh, so see see how you are. All right, cool. Well, let's start this over. <laughs> I had no idea. All I heard from Demond was something about fix this, and I thought something was wrong. So anyway, no worries, no worries. He's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio, so sometimes miscommunications happen. Not a big deal. But only seven, eight days into training camp, they've had two padded practices. I know everyone can't see the practices and can't you know, have the, the up-close of personal experiences even in the media sessions. But Raider Nation, from what you've heard, what you've heard from coaches, players, from members of the media, just the reports that you've been hearing, stuff that you've been reading. There's tons of stuff out there, tons of, uh, of Raider coverage out there right now from many different outlets. And I'll tell you right now, when I say many different outlets, that media room is packed. It is packed to the gills. There's people in there that I have never even seen, right? And that's, that's not a bad thing. That just means that the Raiders are, t- are top of mind for a lot of folks right now. If you don't get to the media session and get to that, that room early, you might not get a very good seat. I mean, straight up. And the one thing I've learned about Josh McDaniels, if he says he's going to uh, meet with the media at 745, he's meeting at 745. Uh, you better get there by 730 or 735, or else you'll be the one that's embarrassed walking in and he's halfway through, a converse, or halfway through uh, answering a question. There's nothing worse. And I've never done it, but I've seen other people do it. When you come walking up, and all of a sudden, you have to go through those doors, big doors, that you look right at the person that's standing at the podium talking. And one, the doors make a lot of noise. And sometimes, I'm sure you've heard them before. You know, they're just, they're very loud. And all of a sudden, you have to, you can't creep into the room. You know how you try to creep into the back of the room when you were in, in school? Just try to slide into class and hope nobody notices? No, everybody notices. So, you don't want to be that guy. And believe me, there's been a few of those guys that have been caught off guard because we're kind of used to, hey, if the media session is supposed to start at, Noon, it's probably not going to start till 1230, right? I mean, that's just – and DeMond knows as a guy who cuts up a lot of the audio and is waiting for the, the, the media session to happen. So many times in the past, they never started on time. These things, especially with the coaches, they're getting, they're getting done quick, fast, and in a hurry. So if Josh McDaniel says 745 a.m., you better be there by 730 because it's going to get going at 745 a.m. So from everything that you've heard – Everything that you've, you know, seen, any little video snippets, you know, you're hearing about the, the drills that they're, they're going through. You're uh, talking about the attention to detail. We did a whole show on the attention to detail yet, uh, yesterday. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this year's Raiders team as they're trying to put this thing together? Are you happy with where they're at at this stage of the game? 
Do you want to reserve your thoughts until maybe you see a preseason game on Thursday? Do you do you need more? What 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 do you need? Where are you at right now as far as this team through basically a week of practice and trying to get everything going and put together for this 2022 upcoming season? Two padded practices. That's all they've had so far. But I feel like you can get a little bit of a takeaway. And I know it's easier for me to say that I can come with a takeaway because I'm there every day. But – just from what you've heard, Raider Nation, what you've seen, what are your thoughts? Let us know about it. 702-365-9200. Also, the Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword r The other question that I wanted to ask you as well, because it's Friday, why don't we just get a little freaky, right? Why don't we go ahead and, uh, and, and throw a little bit extra into the mix, put a little stank on it, right? Let's go ahead and do that. So who do you believe is on the roster bubble, and who do you believe is earning their roster spot? Again, we're only one week into training camp, so a lot of things could change between now and when they, cut, when they have cutdowns. But this is the stages that we're in. So as it's Friday and it was an off day, just want to get your thoughts. Who do you feel like is on the roster bubble? Who do you think needs training camp more than anyone to go out there and show out and show that they, they, they deserve a spot? And who do you think is really earning their spot right now where it's like, whoa, that guy is turning heads? Again, love to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line to 69187, keyword R&R. We'll start things off with Raider Dave in Denver. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, thanks a lot, Q and DC. I want to uh, first say that I think DJ Turner is on the hot seat. We'll Ooh. see what he can do uh, in the, in the uh, return game. And then I believe Hollis is the one that's really showed up and is probably going to be there. Um, I will tell you this, though. The one thing that I'm impressed about, let me see if I can inform this away. The Raiders are a river that is full of rock and a lot of turbulence. And as the move started to happen, things started to, to smooth out into a, a nice area where there's not a lot of turbulence and you can catch some good fish. Now, with the blocking and getting off blocks comment that McDaniels made, and for me, I'm coaching youth football and, and pounding it into kids' heads, it's all about being in the right position and it's all about blocking and getting off blocks. And these are the three things that I think I have always seen from a Belichick New England team that has made them sound over anybody else and can play anybody else because they're the best at taking C players and making them B players. And that's how you build a team. So those things right there, to me, end up making this smooth stream all of a sudden catch a downhill cement smooth aqueduct where we are starting to really roll fast. All right. Hey, Raider Dave in Denver, thank you for the call. Thanks for starting us off. And I'll tell you right now, and I don't know why, maybe that you're really good at breaking things down. I'm not a fisherman. I will never be that guy, right? My dad loves fishing. I am anti-fisherman. Like, I don't want to be that guy. If I go out on a boat, it ain't the fish. And if I do go out on a boat to fish, it ain't in the sea. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> it's a different ball game, brother, if I'm out there fishing. It ain't for what's in the water. I'm just saying. Well, I guess it could be in the water, but it ain't in, you know, it, it's, it's, it don't live in the sea. Let's put it like that. But I understood what you meant clearly, <laughs> right? I understood it clearly, and it made a lot of sense. I mean, it really did. That was, that was a good breakdown. I love the way you said it, you know, having, having a, a stream that's full of rocks, and it's all rocky, and, and all of a sudden it kind of clears up, and you can go and catch a bunch of fish. It, look, I think it boils down to – what you were basically saying. It's not even necessarily about making a C player or a B player. It's basically just if you know how to do, I don't want to say the basics, but if you just want, if you just know how to 
play fundamental football, as dumb as that sounds, as simple as that sounds, you have a chance to be really good. You just got to go out there and you've got to do the basics first. You can't be the hero. It's almost like in basketball where it, what drives me crazy, where guys are shooting three-pointers and they can hit those, but they can't make a free throw. You know what I mean? Like, it makes no sense to me. You can make a, a three-pointer with your eyes closed, but you can't go to the free throw line with nobody in front of you and knock a couple down, right? It drives me crazy. So I feel like that that's kind of where you're at. It's like, hey, they're, they're, right now they're at the free throw line, and they're 95%. They're like Steph Curry from the free throw line. And as training camp goes, they're going to continue to back out a little bit, back out a little further, hit the three-point line, and then all of a sudden they're really going to be on fire. I like, I like how you broke that down. Again, as a guy that's not a fisherman who knows nothing about the, the art of fishing, I, I was able to understand that, so uh, I really like that. Damon, you're back at the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, and uh, I know that you're not out of practice, but you're hearing all the media sessions. You're breaking them all down. You're hearing what every one of our guests, including Tashawn Reed, who's coming up next from The Athletic, they have to say. I mean, you're, you're, you're reading what you know, Vinny's putting out on the RJ, Adam's putting out on the RJ, Ed Graney's putting out. I mean, the coverage is incredible. Just what are your thoughts one week into practice? One week is that, man, this receiving core is going to be spectacular. Just from, hey, you already got the three-headed monster we always talk about, Renfro, Waller, Adams. But, hey, Johnson, I, I'm starting yeah. to have some high hopes. Mac Hollins, like, I think that this offense is going to be humming, and I do think that Derek Carr, even if that right side isn't Pro Bowl level, I, I think they're going to be good enough or Derek Carr is going to be able to make up for those deficiencies. But what I see from these receivers is like, hey, it's not going to matter because it seems like everybody on the field is going to be open. Right, you know, and the thing about it is, it's what I, I'm glad you brought up the receivers because they seem like that they're a special group, you know, and obviously we don't even have to talk about Waller, Renfro, or Adams. I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. But these other guys, they all have a quality that you have to like. One, they have size, they have speed, and they look like they have some really good hands. Uh, as, as Raider Dave said, DJ Turner, he felt, was on the roster, uh, on the roster bubble. He's not, he doesn't have the size, but, man, he went up and made a couple plays. He went up and made a couple plays. It's like, wow, I think Devontae Adams even said one day after, his, uh, after practice said, number 19 was out there making plays. I mean, when you get called by your number, hey, 19 was doing this and 19 was doing that, that's a big deal. That really is. Now, he put a ball or two on the ground as well, and you can't do that, obviously. But uh, there, there are some things to like about the receiving core. But I, what I like, uh, as you mentioned, like Mac Hollins, T. Billy, guys like that, they have size. They really do. DeMarcus, uh, DeMarcus Robinson, he's got size. You know, Keelan Cole, I, well, I'm, I'll, I'll see what he does. But for the most part, man, these guys have big targets. That's, that's, the, that's the basic part of it. They have big targets because they have that size. So, again, they give you an opportunity, especially in the red zone. There was one play that Mac Hollins made. I remember Derek Carr hit him right down the middle of the field. Mac Hollins made the catch, ran, you know, ran to the end zone and came back all day, all day. I guarantee it. That's open all day. Hit me with that all day. I mean, he was very braggadocious about it. Like, I got this. I got this. If you need a, a catch, you want it down the middle of the field, look for 10. I got you. I mean, he was letting it be known. I can really respect that. So, uh, Raider Nation, let us know, man. 702-365-9200. Of course, that's the Raider Nation listener line. But the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. &R. That's wide open like some old school TV antennas. I know it's only a week in the book when it comes to training camp. I know they've only had two padded practices. But where are you at with this team right now? How are you feeling about it from everything you've heard, everything you've seen, anything you've read? Where do you think this team is? And second part of the question, do you have somebody who you think's on the roster bubble or someone who really needs training camp to prove who they are and, and deserves a roster spot? And who do you think's really earning 
a roster spot. It's like, whoa, look out for that guy. He's out there trying to let everyone know he belongs on the team. Let me know about it. Again, 69187, keyword R&R, 227 is the time. Come back to Sean Reed from The Athletic. We'll join the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. About an hour ago, we found out the Raiders signed free agent running back Austin Walter. Also, they placed linebacker Kyler Fackrell on the reserve injured list, ending his 2022 season, at least with the silver and black. He might suit up for somebody, but he won't suit up for the Raiders in 2022. Join us now on the phone lines is our guy, Tashawn Reed from The Athletic. And Tashawn, thank you so much uh, for your time this afternoon, my man. I do appreciate you. And, you know, you asked uh, Coach McDaniels about Zamir White yesterday at the media session. Today they signed a running back in Austin Walter. Uh, do you put the two and two together, or do you think that this is a running back that's they're going to use a lot in Thursday's Hall of Fame game? Yeah, I think this is more of a you know camp body, preseason body type signer. Um, I wouldn't really correlate it to Zamir White. Um, I had some people indicate to me, and my colleague Vic Taper has as well, that the Zamir White injury is anything too serious, and he should be back sooner than later, which is you know pretty much what Josh McDaniel said when I asked him about it. So. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sound any any alarms for the for the fan base off of that one. What about the loss of Kyler Fackrell, a guy that I felt like was going to be competing for a backup role as as far as the edge rusher goes? Yeah, I think that's the more significant news of the day. Because um, even though they didn't pay him that much money, I think he's making around a million dollars or so. You know, he pretty much was a clear choice to be that that third guy in the pass rush rotation behind Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, and um, you know he's got it. You know, he's had success in the past in his best season, I believe, with the Chargers. He had around 10 sacks. Um, so he's a pretty solid guy. You know, he kind of fits into that that 3-4 outside linebacker role. Is going to be a bigger part of the defense this year, um, even though Patrick Graham is just swearing us that <laughs> that is not going to be part of things. Uh, so I think really it puts a spotlight on on a couple guys, Cleef Farrell and then Malcolm Koontz, yeah. uh, who went, went viral the other day for getting yelled at a little bit, but um, I think he, you know, this system I think fits him better because in college he was more of that 3-4 line, outside linebacker type, more of that speed pressure off the edge, and why that won't be what they're in every down, I, I think, you know, that's a situation where he can really excel in, and, and for Cree Farrell, obviously, you know, he's never going to live up to that top four pick hype um, that he had coming out, but he could be a guy that's a, a solid rotation pass rusher, and I think those two are going to be competing for that third spot. Obviously, they both you know, can end up on the field in different situations, but I think it just puts more of a focus on them. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Again, we're talking with Deshaun Reed right now from The Athletic here on NSA Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Malcolm Koontz, he's only in his second year. Uh, Clee Furl, he's a guy that's going into his final year of his contract. Uh, of course, he didn't get the fifth-year option picked up, probably his last year with the Raiders. How big is this training camp for him? And and we saw him limp off the other day and not return. So how big is this training camp for Cleet? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, this is his make-or-break year. I, I wouldn't say he's going to, you know, be in the league or not based off what happens this year. But, you know, if he goes out there and balls out, you know, he can make himself some money going into free agency uh, next offseason, whether that's with the Raiders or, or another team. And, um, you know, as you said, he get banged up a little bit. But something I thought was interesting before that was we saw him not only lining up outside as a, as a defensive end and pass rush off the edge, but also lining up a little bit inside um, at, at defensive tackle. Um, and so that versatility could be 
um, a key point for him. I think he has more versatility than Malcolm Coates at this stage just because of his body type. You know, he's, a, he's a stronger run defender. He's a bigger guy in general, so I think he could wear multiple hats and fill multiple roles. But obviously, you know, the, the concern for him is getting back on the field right now. But I think once he does, he can, you know, carve out a, a role in this, this defense. And, again, you know, all the focus is going to be on Crosby and Jones, but – those can't be the only two guys that they have, you know, in that rotation coming off the edge. Talking right now with Deshaun Reed here on Raider Nation Radio 920. On Tuesday, you put out a piece about the offensive line, how they embrace the doubters. And we heard from Brandon Parker. We've heard from Colton Miller. We've heard from Dylan Parham at this point. What do you, how, how do you take what they are saying, where they, they recognize that everyone's talking about them as the weakest link, but they also, it, it feels like they have something to prove. What have you taken away from what we've heard from the offensive linemen so far? Yeah, I think it's a good amount of honesty from them. Like, it wasn't like they were, you know, acting like people didn't have any reason to believe those things. Like, right. you know, last season was, was a rough year for the offensive line, both most most notably in terms of creating some push in the run game, but also in protecting Derek Carr pretty much throughout the entire season. You know, they had some moments here and there, but it was, it was pretty rough. And, you know, Brandon Parker, we asked him where he needs to improve. You know, he said he committed too many penalties, gave up too many sacks. So they're not acting like they didn't struggle last year. Um, but they're more so using that as fuel to, to turn it around this season. And also, you know, on an individual level, they want to play better just because, you know, that increases their chances of sticking around here, you know, a little bit longer. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good take because a lot of times guys say, you know, they don't pay attention to the stuff. Or, I shut all that out. I, I never see it. But, you know, they, they, they open up to no, I, I saw it. And, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, channel that into some positive energy for themselves. And so um, I, I think they have the right mindset about that. Josh McDaniel said it was too early to determine, especially that right tackle position, you know, who's the leader in the clubhouse between Parker and Alex Leatherwood. How long do you think it will take before we have a good idea who the leader in the clubhouse is? Yeah, I think that's going to go back and forth a little bit for, for a while here. Like, I don't think they necessarily need to be in a rush to make right. a decision, um, especially, you know, even though these are padded practice now, you know, it's still not live game action. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see, you know, starting with, Right, like you can only tell so much from some practice and things of that nature. You got to see how they perform in the game, and so um, you know they have four preseason, preseason games, which is unusual now. You know, after being reduced to three, and so I think it's going to be something that that runs up all the way, you know, pretty close to the season starting. All right, Tashawn. One of the questions that we have for the question of the day here is: Who do you think is earning their roster spot? so far and what you've seen in a week in training camp? I pointed out a couple of receivers, but who stood out to you so far in training camp? Um, yeah, I think uh, Damian Butler might be a sleeper type guy if you're looking for mm. something in that vein. Um, at linebacker, uh, he's an undrafted kid out of Arizona State. Um, he was coached by Antonio Pierce, the linebacker's coach, who, who was at Arizona State before joining the Raiders. Uh, so there's some familiarity there. Um, you know, he we actually have seen him sometimes running with the starting group um, throughout training camp, not super frequently, but you know, here and there, um, he's made some flashes, made some. Nice plays in the run game, and you know he's, he's a guy who can contribute on special teams. He's not the biggest guy; he's not like a freak athlete or anything. But um, you know he's he's impressed the coaching staff so far, and maybe he's a guy that if they do keep an extra linebacker, can stick on the roster. And um, you know I'm kind of with you on the receivers. You know at the same Aaron Johnson, T. Billy is as, as they call him, and he's been a guy that's you know been a little bit of a surprise throughout training camp. And you know I, I was of the mind that they're probably going to keep five receivers, but he might you know, be showing enough to push them to keep six. And then earlier Q mentioned uh, Cleveland Farrell, but another player that was drafted in that 2019 draft, 
Jonathan Abram. What have you seen so far from him? Because I know he's not the type of player that's going to shine in those one-on-one drills, but have you seen anything from him in training camp that you like so far? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's kind of like I haven't made any sweeping evaluations of anybody. I think it's too early. Uh, kind of how Daniel said, just because, you know, in the, they've only had two padded, padded practices, and then the ones before that, you really can't tell much, especially in the run game. Like, guys aren't aren't thumping. There's really not much contact. Uh, I feel like the offensive guys tend to have a leg up in training camp. You see a lot of guys getting getting mossed and things of that nature um, because of the lack of contact. And so I think it's too early to tell. Um, I, I do think, you know, we've seen that he's going to be more than a box safety if he does, you know, hold on to that starting role. We've seen him dropping back deep and having some other alignments. And so his role is going to be more varied than it was last year. I think that's pretty easy to say already. And it's going to be a matter of whether or not he responds to it. But I think it's too early to say, you know, how he looks or how far along he is in that journey. Talking right now with Tashawn Reed from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. As far as the quarterback battle goes, uh, Jarrett Stidham and Nick Mullins, the backup quarterback, I should say, position. Uh, do you see a leader in the clubhouse so far? Uh, I feel like Jarrett Stidham has a good day, and then all of a sudden when I say he has a good day, he doesn't have a good day. So what have you seen from the backups? Yeah, I would say I would say Jared Stidham is probably the guy. I mean, it makes sense as you know he's played with McDaniel's or under McDaniel's for for a few years now, so he has a thorough knowledge of the system. He doesn't really have much game experience, but you know you tend to be more comfortable with something that you know, right? McDaniel right. knows him, and so I think he just had a leg up from that standpoint. And also, I think he's been more impressive overall so far in training camp than Nick Mullins. Um, you know, going into camp, I would I would think that Nick Mullins would be leading the way, given. You know, he started a good amount of games so yeah. far. He's never been like a, a guy that you go into the season with as a starter, but he's you know he's gotten a few wins and then played all right. Um, and so I think he you know is the guy that uh, you know we'll, we'll see as, as you know again it's early in training camp. You know once the games start, maybe Mary Jarrett Stidham doesn't look so good anymore. Um, so I don't think it's locked up or anything of that nature. But I would say Stidham is leading that little right now. One more question for you. Kenyon Drake, he's a guy that obviously had an injury late in the season for the Raiders in 2021. He did not start camp on the pub list. He started out there practicing. To me, he's looked pretty fresh and looked pretty fast. He looks like he's still trying to get his win, but still looks pretty quick and looks good on the on those legs. Uh, what have you seen from Kenyon Drake, and were you surprised that he didn't start out on the pub list? No, I mean, I, I did a story a little bit before training camp started. Um, you know, he seemed pretty confident about his ability to, to bounce back from that injury. And I also talked talk to the surgeon that conducted the, the surgery on his broken ankle, and he was very optimistic. Obviously, I don't think they were going to tell me if they weren't, right? right. But, um, you know, they, they were pretty boastful about it. And so he, he's really just lived up to those words so far. And um, I think he's a guy that, you know, last season, along with the running game in general, didn't have that much success. But you can kind of see the vision in terms of his skill set fitting in the Josh McDaniel system. You know, he's a guy that has pretty strong receiving skills. He can line up wide. He can also catch out of the backfield. Um, you know, can make some bounce it outside and make some nice plays in the run game. And I, I do think they're going to have more of a running back by committee approach. I, I still think Josh Jacobs is going to be the clear leader and have the most touches of anybody in the backfield. But I think they're going to lean on him a little bit less and maybe that helps him, you know, stay fresher and avoid some of the injuries. He didn't have an injury as significant as Drake, but – He's a guy that week to week he's banged up pretty often, you know. So especially if Drake is back to being himself, in addition to you know guys like Brandon Dolan being around and Zamir White, you know, if he's able to bounce back from from whatever injuries keeping him out right now, I think they have a pretty nice backfield. You know, yeah. again, you know, I've said this a lot off season, but it's more so going to be about what the big guys up front do. You know, are they going to have anywhere to run? You know, is Derek Carr going to have time to get them a ball? And 
that's, that's the story of training camp, and it's going to continue to be moving forward. Yeah, it really will. And, Tashawn, I know we're not out there. We're not out there putting in work. We're not doing no sprints. We're not catching no passes. But we are out there in the heat, so it's been kind of cool to have a, a, a day off. <laughs> yeah, I ain't mad at it. You know, I'm in the crib. You know, I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't rushing to get in this right now. So I'm right. I'm for the day off right now. Exactly. I, I am, too. I was like, man, hey, we're off today. Like, I'm a player. I was like, hey, we're off today. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll be back out there tomorrow, Sunday, and Monday, and then heading off to Canton, Ohio. Well, what do you got coming out in the athletic? that we should be on the lookout for? I got a pretty big feature coming out um, next week, next Wednesday before the Hall of Fame game. I don't want to spoil it too much. Okay. But outside of that, you know, just a typical, you know, day-to-day grind. My boy Vic Tafer is here with me, so, so we'll be holding things down at the Athletic. We're going on at practice, but uh, – yeah, look forward to next week before the Hall of Fame game. Big future coming. Hey, that's a great tease, what we call that in the business. I love it. Tashawn, thanks so much, <laughs> my man. Enjoy the rest of your day off. We'll see you tomorrow. I appreciate you. You too, man. All right, there he goes, Tashawn Reed from The Athletic on Twitter, at Tashawn Reed. And as he said, his tag team partner, uh, Vic Tafer, they do a fantastic job covering the Raiders like a glove, at Vic Tafer as well on Twitter. And uh, there you go, man, a big feature before the Hall of Fame game. So Wednesday, when I'm sitting there in Canton, Ohio, at the Tom Benson Stadium, or right behind in the little school there on Radio Row, I'll have some reading material right there. So uh, that's a good tease to be on the lookout for. Tashawn Reed's piece on The Athletic that's going to be a big-time feature. 2.44 is the time. Many thanks to Tashawn for giving us a few minutes to talk all things Raiders training camp. We want to hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. It's only been a week of training camp, but based off everything you heard, based off what you just heard from Deshaun, what are your what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? How do you think that the Raiders are doing so far? And then if there's someone that you feel is on the training camp bubble, you know, the roster bubble, someone who needs to have a big training camp, I think Clee Farrell's a guy. That's a great example. He's a guy that I think needs to have a big training camp, and currently he's out with injury. So that's a good example of a guy on the roster bubble, in my opinion, and who's a guy out there earning their roster spot. I like how he brought up Darian Butler. That's a good one because he has been making some noise. We've been talking about 58 quite a bit out there at uh, training camp. So let us know about it. Again, 702-365-9200. Salmonash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. The Raiders are only a handful of days into training camp. They've only had two padded practices. Want to know who you think could be on the roster bubble. Someone who needs to have a big-time training camp to prove their worth, prove their roster spot, earn their roster spot. And on the other side of that, who do you think is earning their spot? Who do you, whose name are you hearing enough? You know, who, who's making enough noise to say, hey, coach, hey, GM, hey, D coordinator, hey, special teams coach, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing. Who's doing that? 702-365-9200, Salmon S text line 69187, keyword R&R. One of the questions I've been asking you this afternoon. Got a text from the 707, Amik Robertson on the bubble. That's a good one. That's a really good one. The Mailman Raider, he hit us as well. Q, I haven't heard too much on Amik, but I think he has a big opportunity this preseason to earn a starting role. Probably his last chance this year to make a name for himself. think we all would like to have, him break, have a breakout season. Otherwise, he'll be another player we loved who did nothing. And that's a good point. A bunch of people mentioned in Amik Robertson just haven't heard his name enough, right? Haven't heard his name too much at all. Uh, I saw – I don't remember who made the catch, but I saw a catch the other day. Uh, it might have been DJ Turner had a big catch over someone. I said, who was that who just got mossed? And I looked up, and it was 21. I said, oh, that's Amik. You know, so, yeah, he's a guy that I think everyone rooted for when he was drafted. 
he just hasn't been able to put it together. I think that's just been the biggest thing for him. He just has not been able to put it together and be a consistent good player. Now, he's had moments here and there where he's gone in and made a play or two, and you're like, whoa, hey, there's Amik Robertson. There's that guy that you were expecting to see out there. I remember specifically one game he, he did last season against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. He came in uh, late when the, some guys were just dropping. There was guys that were dropping like flies in that game, and all of a sudden Amik Robertson came in and made a play. It helped, helped stop the Cowboys from uh, driving down the field and getting a touchdown. Uh, instead, they had to settle for a field goal, and they ended up tying the game, and then the Raiders went on to win the game. But uh, yeah, he, he made a player two, and, and, and the problem is, is that I know the player two that he made, right? That means he's not making enough plays. You know, when you know one specific play, you know that he's not making enough. So, Mailman Raider, thank you for that. 707 Texter, thank you for that. Uh, Geese Mode said, talking about just what the Raiders have done so far in training camp from what he's heard and what he's seen and what he's read. So far, so great, Q. What I'm seeing is a team that doesn't leak any news, brings the tempo every day, and actually believes in punctuality. All of this seems like the foundation for consistency when the usual expectation for the Raiders in the past was anything but consistent. Excited for this new chapter of our team to hit the field and show what they got. Let's go Raiders. And that kind of goes back to uh, Raider Dave in Denver, right? I mean, it's the same, same concept, right? I mean, from one regime to the next, it just seems like everything is more businesslike. Everything is more as a matter of fact, everything is, like you said, uh, punctuality is a big deal, you know. Uh, you know, the, the sayings that we're so used to hearing, do your job, and as dumb as that sounds, it's, it's real. And that just seems like what they're all about. They're about making sure that every, dot is, every I is dotted and every T is crossed. I uh, got a text from the 925 talking about uh, the signing of the running back that they just signed earlier today, uh, stashing Zamir for the year most likely. And I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I, I don't think that that's actually true. Uh, I, I can understand the theory behind it, and I can see at some point them stashing him. I don't think that he's going to have a, a massive role this year, but I think Zamir White's going to have a little bit of a role. I really do. I don't think that he's going to be some guy that's going to take a bunch of carries away from Josh Jacobs, but I think as a short yardage back, as a goal line back, guy like that, I think, I could, I think that that's his role, right? I think that's what he's going to do. If, you, if it's third and one, fourth and one, there's a good chance you'll probably see Zamir White in there now. With that being said, he's got to be healthy. He's got to be ready to go. And right now he's dealing with some things. Regardless of what he's dealing with, uh, he's dealing with it. He's not out of practice. So before he's able to be a short yardage back, he's got to be a training camp back. He's got to be a preseason back. He's got to be a guy that gets a little bit of burn so this team could trust him. That's the other thing with this regime. If they don't trust you, they ain't going to put you out there. They don't trust you to do what you're supposed to do. They're not going to put you out there. They just won't. They're, regardless of your talent level, they think you're talented. That's fine. But if they don't trust you to be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, and if the guy next to you can't trust that you're going to do your job, and, they to, and, and the other thing about that is, and, and we've seen this a lot, we've seen past teams, guys will try to overcompensate for the guy next to them, right? So maybe you're a middle linebacker, but you don't trust that your weak side help is going to be there. So you might try to freelance and try to help a little bit with them to pick them up because you're like, oh, that's the weakest link. That's the thing about it. That, I don't think you're going to see that this year. I think you're going to see guys that are going to have to trust the guy next to them. Hey, man, you have to go out there and have my back. You've got to do what you've got to do because I've got to focus in on what my responsibilities are, what my, uh, you know, what my call is. So I, I, I believe that that's what we'll see moving forward, and that I think is going to help in a major way because there's too many times. And, and my perfect example for this, and then we'll take a break, last preseason, Nate Hobbs had an interception. He had it against the Rams in that preseason game. Nate Hobbs was playing on the inside. He broke off of that route, 
went to the outside and made the interception, which is great, right? You want the, the interception. You want, you want the turnover. That's great instincts, this, that, and the other. If that had happened with this regime, yes, they would have loved the interception, but they would have been mad about the way that the interception came about because that's not, that wasn't his job. He left where he was supposed to be and went over and just made a play. Again, I get it. Playmakers are going to make plays. The problem with that is what? Teams have that on film. So if they see, oh, hey, this guy breaks off on this route and he'll go over here and cheat, what will they do? They'll try to fake that way so he goes and does the same thing. You create tendencies. You create habits. If all of a sudden they know if I do this or I give him this look, he's going to think that he can go make the play on the outside and be the hero. When you go try to be the hero, you usually end up being the, the zero, the fall guy, right? I mean, it's just simple as that. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Nate because I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I really do. But that's an example of they would have probably patted him on the back, patted him on the butt, and said, hey, good job on the interception. Don't do it that way. Do your job. But thanks for getting the interception. That's great. Want the ball. I mean, you know, you're never going to poo-poo on the turnover, on creating a turnover. You're not. But you're also going to caution, like, you can't do that. If you freelance like that, you're going to cost, cost the team a, a, a game at some point someone's going to pick up on that tendency that you have, and they're going to exploit it. And that's the differences. Again, it can look good at one moment, but there's times where, where they say all money ain't good money. Sometimes all money ain't good money. 2.56 is the time. We'll come back. We'll kick off hour number two of the show. we got cover three, NFL news and notes of the day. Plus, I wanted to go over this article that Mike Sando put out on The Athletic about the tiers of quarterbacks. We didn't get a chance to go over it. We talked about Lamar Jackson and how they, they – teared him and they were just silly but I wanted to look at what he said about Derek Carr and I wanted to talk about that as well and what tier Derek Carr is in so we got that coming up we'll take your calls and texts as we kick off hour number two of the show this is Radio Nation Radio 920